Steelers lost a bizarre game against the New Orleans Saints in a heartbreaking 26-23 overtime loss. David, what's going on with this team? And it, it, they've been on a slide for now two weeks. And what's the outlook? Where do the good bears go from here? You know, that's a great question, Drew. To be honest with you, that was the most befuddling display of offense I've ever seen. I think Troy Aikman, uh, the color analyst for Fox, was just aghast by the uh, lack of production on offense. I even saw Allen Robinson get pissed off on the sidelines about not getting any production. It's like the offense is in neutral. It's not going anywhere. And uh, it's yet to be seen. Bears are coming off three games where they played really good uh, teams and they haven't shown that they can compete with the big boys yet. So this might be a situation where they're heading into Nashville, the next game against the Titans, where I'd say very comparable in terms of their overall uh, team depth. And if they can squeak out a win heading into the bye week, I think that would bode well. But no, I, I was really – they showed a lot of heart as a team. I think there's nothing wrong with the culture of the team. It's just a matter of – I don't think the coaches are putting them in positions to be successful. So you said the players are getting frustrated with the lack of production on offense. And I think to the common fan, you look back at this game and – Nick Foles almost had as many yards as Drew Brees. So is the, does that mean that this is going back to your discussion about like play design? Is it that like they're producing at a level where it's not meaningful? Are they like just getting like garbage plays or is it like, it, does it come down to a red zone execution? Is that kind of like what we were talking about last week? Is this like an execution problem or is it that play design problem? Like what's going on? You know, it's a mixture of both, just kind of going off that. I think, obviously, Coach Matt Nagy's made a point of filling in the gaps by doing bubble screens and sweeps and short routes and kind of implementing that Andy Reid West Coast offense, um, taking what the defense gives you. The thing is, as we talked last week, and I'm not going to harp on this too much, but Foles is just trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible. So sometimes he's throwing off of his back foot or not getting through his progression quick enough. So he's hitting the short man in the flat or um, the short in route, and that's only producing three to four yards. And it's not – he's always having to convert on long third and, third and tens and or third, third downs, and that puts a lot of stress on the offense. So I do think at his play – it's 50-50. Play design is definitely a piece of it. The execution is definitely wrong. I definitely saw there was a pass. Our, you know, Jimmy Graham continues to drop the ball. You know, he's a great athlete, but he, he had a couple drops. Um, There's miscommunication between um, the rookie uh, tight end, uh, Cole Komet, and Foles, and Foles threw an interception right to the receiver. Typically, when something like that happens, it's not because the quarterback can't hit the receiver. It's because he's not on. they're usually not on the same page as their receiver. So a lot has to be figured out. I think Matt Nagy is great about maintaining uh, a positive spirit on the club. But at the end of the day, frustrations will eventually boil over, and we're going to have to see where this team will end up. Wow, you, you just brought up so many points we got to go and unpack first i want to come back to that Foles discussion going back to the screen game that you brought up i mean we had a great opportunity to compare the bears with a great screen team i think the broadcast even brought it up for a lot of uh fans at home i think the difference between the bears screen game which they're trying to incorporate better from like the running back position and i think that that's kind of this is one of those problems that we've talked about where I think Matt Nagy misidentifies his personnel strengths. 
and you have a young running back who's struggling in the running game. And yeah, would it be helpful to get him out in space out of the backfield catching passes? Yeah, that's good. You always want to get him going with a few catches, get him feeling good in the game. But when you have a player like David Montgomery, then having to navigate the kind of like small details of executing a well-designed screen, to me, that seems like a lot to put on your young running back. And I think that that might be something that's better suited for a player like Cordero Patterson. If they insist on keeping him at running back, like why are we not seeing Cordero Patterson execute these screens? Because you know that the defense is always like loaded up for, you know, getting after the quarterback or stopping Cordero when he's out there on the runs. But then we see David Montgomery out there trying to execute these screens. And I just think that like this kind of goes back to where I feel like Matt Nagy is not identifying where his players can be successful. So maybe in a way that's the way the play is designed is that he's designing it for the wrong players. Well, I'm going to pose a curve, throw a curve at you. Do you think Matt Nagy just doesn't know how to scheme for his team and he's just plugging in his (laughs) plays that he's learned throughout the years? To a degree. Yeah, I do. I, I, my biggest, biggest criticism of Matt Nagy, I think he seems like a nice guy, right? I'm, I'm sure that, if we lived next to each other, we'd be great friends, whatever, you know. But my biggest criticism of him is that he doesn't seem to be in control. And I think that he is often not strategic. And he's trying – it seems from, like, an observer with a defensive background in, in football, it just seems like he has a lack of awareness when he's, like, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? Like – and I think this game really showed kind of that criticism of his like strategic analysis of football. And it's frustrating when you see such great execution on the other side of the ball from Chuck Pagano, who I think is a great strategic thinker. I think there are a lot of different times during the game where you can kind of see that, but yeah, I I don't think that that hot take is unfounded. I I would agree with that to a pretty high degree. Well, and to that degree too, man, the Bears are the most penalized team on in the league. That comes back to coaching. So, is it because they're trying to they're just overthinking their what they're going to do on the play? Um, I know obviously Akeem Hicks. He he's a great player on the defensive side. He gets a lot of penalties, but the offense too, in terms of a lot of holds and just a lot of roughhousing on the field and speaking of roughhousing one of the Bears players just threw a sucker punch at uh, uh, one of the Saints players after a play did you see that Drew yeah yeah I did and you know I I tend to side with the players you know Javon Williams is a competitor I think he was misused last week in the or two weeks ago by now in the run game trying to get those edge blocks and we still saw them doing that um, with their like receivers and tight ends that are more pass catchers right but he is a competitor, and he clearly was sticking up for his fellow players. And, and and I hate to be this person who is constantly comparing, like, a football team to the Pats, right? Like, I feel like maybe I'm becoming that person through this podcast. But, you know, anytime you, like, want to succeed, you should always pick someone who's on your path in the future and emulate or try to learn from their experience, uh, whether it's in a job, in sports, in coaching. That's what you should be doing, right? And I feel like it's important to compare ourselves to, like, the Pats in that sense. And when I was watching the game, I, like, turned to the people next to me, and I was like, would you ever see a player on the Pats do that? No. And there's a reason for that. It's because there is a culture at the Pats where it's it's understood that you don't do things that would sacrifice the team's standing. 
And yeah, when you settle a personal score and stick up for your fellow players by taking a bad penalty, like a sucker punch or even like a revenge punch, whatever you want to call it, okay, you might be sticking up for the individual. But the thing is, I feel like Matt Nagy has created this culture where it's positive vibes for each individual, making a player's coach in the sense of a player singular coach. And what we need is a team coach, someone who's going to set a team culture that makes you want to have guys sacrificing for their teammates. Do you think that's Pagano? I do. Especially with a defensive mind, I think you naturally get that a little more uh, in terms of that team game because on the defensive side of the ball, a defense will never work if you don't have 11 players playing as a whole. Um, If you have 11 players playing as individuals, yeah, their stats might look good, they might get paid, but they're never going to be successful. And going back to that penalty question, when you have a great defense, you're always going to get penalties on defense because it's an offense first league, right? The NFL wants offensive production to be prolific in this league. And so you are going to be penalized at a higher degree. But what's more concerning is the increase in offensive penalties. And that's why going back and comparing the Bears to the Pats is kind of important in the sense that like that Javon Wims penalty completely killed that drive. And yeah, you would hope that the offense would have the resolve to overcome that was second and 20 was it or first and 20 whatever it was you would hope they'd had the the result to overcome that but they simply don't so you have to like accept that you don't have that resolve so you need to be disciplined mentally and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week right it's these bears it's not even like they're not executing physically it's really the mental execution which is lacking and it starts with the coach yeah, I mean, that's discipline and coach and attention to detail, and that's instilled by the coach and, and his players. So I'm definitely, I hate to say it, and this sounds weird, Matt Nagy's record in his two and a half years as a Bear coach is really great. It's a really good record. He was 12-4 and four his first year, 8-8 eight and eight last year, and he's 5-3 and three this year. Those aren't grounds for getting fired. It's more of just like he set such a high precedent within his first year by getting winning the NFC North, coming out of nowhere, uh, being on the brink of beating the Philadelphia Eagles, who are coming off of a Super Bowl. And we, quite frankly, we should have won that game had it not been a physical error by he who must not be named in Chicago. But they've rectified that issue with Caro Santos. He's a really solid kicker that took the Bears in overtime this past weekend. Um, and then eight and eight last year, that was more of a an execution piece, not a coaching piece by the Bears players. And this year it's kind of like defense started off great out of the gate, was passionate. You know, <laughs> Trubisky was 3-0 and before he got benched. And now, you know, Foles is 2-3. and So, I mean, you tell me who's going to be the right fit for the quarterback. Okay, well, here's one thing I wanted to touch on when we're talking about Foles. That first drive, when Mitch Trubisky went out there, they ran a zone read. Mitch made the right read, and he pulled the ball. The defensive end was crashing on the running back. He pulled it. He got three yards. Then later in that drive, we saw Nick Foles run the same play, the same set, or the same formation, the same action from the DN, and he gives it. It's so emblematic of this Bears offense right now because it leads you to question, did Foles make the wrong decision? Did he just make a mistake? And give it, and in that case, that means that Trubisky was smarter on his execution. Even though he had one play, he executed well, and he made the right decision with his head. He mentally executed. 
Yeah. And even if Foles, I don't know, maybe it wasn't a zone read. Maybe it was designed to just look like zone read, and well, they said just move it. But why is why if Foles is not physically able to execute that play, why are they calling it with Foles out there? That's a great question, and I know obviously there's been a lot of dialogues on the sidelines with uh, Foles and Nagy. They have a good rapport with one another, and they like to bounce ideas off of one another, which is great. It's part of the collaborative spirit that the Bears have kind of cultivator over the past couple of years that being said though i think that's more of a self-preservation move i don't think Foles is the fleet of, the fleetest of foot and he has had injuries in the past and is very injury prone and i think he's just trying to survive and make it through the full year obviously drew you cited how the correct read on on a rpo or a read option is to if the defensive end crashes you pull the ball if they stay at home or don't move, you give it to the running back. The fact that the DN crashed and Foles gave it to him means he either doesn't believe in Nagy's plays, he's lazy on the re and lazy on the physical execution. Yeah, I mean those are the two options to be honest with you. So Well, here's the thing though. If I have Foles out there, I'm going to run an RPO. But they didn't call an RPO. They call it zone read. That's run all the way. And so it goes back to where, why is Nagy putting his players in positions to fail? And this this is also another point that I kind of wanted to touch on and unpack. You mentioned kind of like uh, Cole Komet, I think, or mm-hmm. maybe it was just Cole the run Komet. game in general. We've seen it, over the whole season these mismatches where our tight ends are not able to block the alignment. And I was an advocate for having Cole Komet get out there to block. He cannot block. I'm sorry, like, in that first drive, he gets destroyed. And it's just, man, it is like, how are they going to find a good zone run scheme without good blocking from tight ends? Did they give up on Shaheen too early then? (laughs) Adam Shaheen was a good uh, blocker, but he couldn't catch. And and now he can catch. And it's like, I don't know. There are so many problems, and I think one of the problems is that Right now, everybody wants to point to the easy problem and say, oh, well, it's the O-line. But really, I don't think that that's true. I, I mean, mean, we that saw... could be an issue our, going into this weekend. Two guys tested positive for COVID. Oh, and even last weekend, they their line was decimated, and they still played pretty good. And I, there's another thing that I want to talk about, Foles, where it's like, I don't know, as a quarterback, you might have more insight on this, but there are kind of two types of drops into a pocket. And so like either you're going to step up into a pocket or there's a new technique that I think has been really popular over the past 10 years in the NFL, where like the tackles will give the DNs the under roll and then they'll seal them into the pocket. And it almost seems like Nick Foles wants them to give that underneath roll because he has really deep drops. I mean, a lot of these sacks are like nine yard sacks. But it seems like there's like a miscommunication between the quarterback's room and the aligned room where like almost like Juan Castillo wants uh, his quarterback to step up into the pocket. Like it's almost like they've designed the O-line for Mitch to step up, find those running lanes. But now that you have Nick Foles, Nick wants to drop back underneath and have those linemen just suck everything into the pocket and have him sitting back even deeper. Is that something that you've seen going on? Like, is, is that possibly why we're seeing such bad sacks and such quote-unquote bad O-line play? Yes, I do, actually. I agree with you. I think Foles refuses to step up, which is traditionally taught at an elementary level for quarterbacking. Obviously, he's the professional, and I'm the sports nerd here, so I can't 
talk speak to the game speed on the field. But, I mean, that's a basic thing, and it elongates the play. Another thing that really drives me nuts is uh, when the play breaks down and there's nothing there, Risky would always tuck it and run it, at least get some positive yards. Foles refuses to leave, run past the line of scrimmage, and he'll force balls all the time. I think that's the one thing on the scouting report on him that was a knock. He can make things happen, but when they don't, they look really ugly. That's happened a lot and when he's played. It's getting frustrating. And that's something in our first episode when we recapped the New York Giants game. I think we said, maybe we just said observe that week. Mitch was not throwing it up at the right times. Like, he would tuck it and take the sack sometimes and make the right decision, which was good. And it's just kind of um, interesting to see that yeah. it's almost like the Bears have, like, I don't know, like, gotten rid of all the progress they made right. from last season. They've just, like, cut it out. And I think it really comes back to this, like, this team culture. It seems like no one's in control. Right. Well, team. It seems like a, a group of men, yeah. <laughs> like, collectively working in, a, like, like, an amoeba, like, pulling it every which way. And sometimes the amoeba wins out. But most of, for the past two weeks, it's not been good. Well, you know what? I think the big thing was going into this year, Trubisky was in a contract year. I think he's always had this thing where he's afraid to make a mistake. You just kind of saw that in the way he played. And I think when you put that mental stress on someone to not make mistakes, it causes them to press and maybe not be fully present and execute accordingly. Versus Foles gets in there. He just lets it rip and doesn't care. And he's so chill that like he moves on the next play, not like beating himself up. That's the difference between the two quarterbacks I've noticed. Again, I think Trubisky is physically more gifted than Foles. Foles just is like unbelievably confident and chill. That like that's what makes him able to like keep the Bears in games, or at least get them close to being in games. You know, speaking of Trubisky, he is injured. He's going to be out two to three weeks with a shoulder injury, and it's really disappointing. We saw flashes of them incorporating him in, into the offense, and when you're talking about his mental capacity, it almost seemed like the Bears were scheming up a perfect system to where they can keep the game small for Mitch, let him have success, and slowly in the way that Taysom Hill does, he could progress into being a starter. Yeah, you know, I mean, I have a piping time. hot take. I thought Kyle Wharton was better than, is better than Trubisky, to be honest with you. but He's a game talk- manager, but he, he didn't okay. turn over the ball. <laughs> okay, but we've talked about this before. That offense had better running backs. They had arguably a better line. I'm, I, like, I think that the line for the Bears right now is good. I think they're underrated. I think they get a bad rap. But, I mean, that O-line had uh, Olin Cruz at center. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a little different than having Cody Whitehair or even Sam Mustafer, or Sam Mustafer at center. And um, I'm trying to think. Wasn't Roberto Garza on that line, too? I mean, yeah. those are two pretty dang good O-linemen. So, okay. I, I, I do think Kyle Orton, he was good. I, I mean, I'd have, I would be happy to have him on my team. But, I don't know. I'll take Trubisky over Orton. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So the other thing um, that we haven't unpacked is Jimmy Graham apologized after this game to the fans. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. I did. Saying he, he's saying he had a bad game, and I New Orleans defense was hitting him real hard, and they're going low on him. His it almost looked like he might have been battling through injury, but 
Jimmy Graham dropping the ball a few different times kind of reminded me of earlier in the season when um, Allen Robinson had a few drops. And I was wondering, as an offensive player, is that just something that happens throughout the course of the season? Like, do you go through funks where it's like, you're going to have a lull in your production or your execution. Is that like normal? Is that something that like players are working through or is that like cause for concern in this tight ends room? Cause right now it seems like we're getting really inconsistent play from the tight ends. Cause Harris has also had big drops. Cole Komet's had big drops. Cole Komet almost had a fumble. Thought it was the right call in the field, but it was. Is, this yeah. cause, is this cause for concern or is this just a routine thing for offensive players? I mean, it's definitely frustrating for the quarterback who's already like under it extreme amount of pressure and uh, the offense is not running on all cylinders. That being said, though, I do think Jimmy Graham, who came out of college as a basketball player, transitioned to tight end. He's played for some of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. And I mean, he, he's before he signed a contract with the Bears, he's with the Packers and the Packers only gave him a one year deal and he was already gone. So I think his production slowing down. I think that was part of his thing. He, he was not consistent with his hands, maybe getting a little slower. The other um, physical errors that are going on with drops and stuff like that, that's just kind of inexcusable. I mean, rule of thumb is like if it hits you in the hands, you shouldn't drop it, especially if you're wearing like really nice receiving gloves. I mean, I don't know if it had to – like I'll be honest with you, I know when Trubisky threw his ball, his balls always looked like they were nosediving, so that can be hard to catch. Foles puts a little bit more air under it, so they should be easier to catch. So I don't know. I mean, it, some of that stuff is mental. I cite, like, John Lester, the Cubs, could never throw over to first base because it was just he got, he got so wrapped up in thinking about it instead of focusing on pitching, he couldn't execute and go through his pitches. I think with tight ends, there's a lot of things that go on that you have to remind. You have to remember, to like, snap count, how to line up properly, are you hitting a lineman before you break on your route? When to break on your route? What's the quarterback's, you know, what's the protection? How many steps drop is this? Will the ball come out hot? I don't know. See, I just broke it down, and I'm a, I'm a fan here. I'm not even a tight end. So these are things that players have to think about, but a tight end especially. And sometimes he could be pressing. I don't know. It's all speculation. See, this is kind of cause for concern for me because it seemed like in this game, Jimmy Graham couldn't catch, Cole Kmet couldn't block, and then I don't even know. Other than that, we're just um, fine. <laughs> like Harris, I don't know. It's like he's kind of a middleman. He had okay blocks. Some of his schemes, it seemed like they're like he was helping on double teams. But it's like, I mean, Chris Sims before the season and his like analysis of the draft said that like, oh, Cole Kmet can also block. Well, he didn't really execute that that well this week. And then Jimmy Graham, we talked about, he's a pass catcher. So right now that tight ends room seems like they're just like failing across the board. And it's like, oh man, I hate to do this for another another episode, but, you know, Rob Ronkowski is basically an offensive tackle who then goes out on, on routes <laughs> and catches big time balls. Yeah. And it's like, why can't we find a guy? who is versatile, who can do all these different things, because that's what you want from your tight end. Your tight end is an offensive lineman who's also a receiver, right? That mm -hmm. is, like, what the tight end position was created to be, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't we find this guy? Like, why do we even have these guys if they're just receivers? I mean, this is – the Bears drafted Komet in the second round, which was basically their first-round pick, um, and he was coming out of Notre Dame as a, as a well-known pass catcher and was able to block and – 
there's definitely uh, you have to make adjustments going to the NFL. The game's a little faster. Everyone's fast. Everyone's big. And you're not the best player on the field anymore. <laughs> so usually if you're a rookie. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Um, I think the Bears have a lot of holes to fill this offseason. I, I, am, I was curious to see if they do anything at the trade deadline. It looks like they're not going to do that. They, they cut Ted Ginn today, who uh, didn't really fill in for the Bears. He could have been a slot guy or a punt returner, but never you know, fully caught up to speed in the Bears, what they're trying to do. Um, and the Bears want to keep that first-round draft pick. So I don't know. Um, but I guess going into the Tennessee Titans game and down in Nashville, what are you looking to see? What are you looking to see from the Bears, and how do you think they'll stack up against the Titans? I think the Titans are well coached. Um, we've seen it this season and previous seasons um, that they are very savvy in their play calling, um, and they know how to bend the rules. But I mean, what I'm this defense looks great for us, right? And so when you're looking at the Tennessee Titans, they seem like kind of a very pace of game team, where when they control the pace of the game they win, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that our defense is just looking so great right now. I mean, the linebackers, we didn't really touch on this, but Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, I mean, we predicted it like four weeks ago that they were going to come up to par. They're going to be running on all cylinders, and they look like they are. Also, Tayshawn Gibson is feeling really well in the running game, and I mean, we kind of predicted that maybe the Bears' weakness on defense might be their DBs filling in the running game, but man, there's one play where Tayshawn Gibson put a hit on Taysom Hill, and Taysom Hill was hurt after it. And I was like, okay, we got two safeties that can fill in the run game. And, you know, Jalen Johnson, I still have questions about his effectiveness in filling for the run game because he's not at that Kyle Fuller level where, like, Kyle Fuller is, like, making touchdown-saving ankle tackles every season, right? But for the most part, I think we're going to be able to contain Derrick Henry that said, the Titans aren't a one-dimensional team. They play complementary football. So it's really a toss-up. I, 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 it's hard after the past two weeks to see the Bears executing against what is going to be a playoff team, right? I think that it's probably going to be the Titans in the wild-card round, you know, depending on how the, these Colts games work out. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, they're facing another playoff contender, a team that – beat the Pats in the past three, couple seasons, right, in the playoffs. I mean, that, that was huge. They're a, team that, they're a team that executes at their highest level when it's required of them. And right now what we're seeing from the Bears is that they're a team that does not execute at their highest level when it's required of them, <laughs> right? So it's, it's really hard to lean towards the Bears. Uh, are you taking the Bears this week? Oh, no. <laughs> it's a no ri way. risky move. <laughs> no way. Uh I hate to say it. I obviously would love for the Bears to win, but I, I'd probably pick the um, Tannehill is a good quarterback and, you know, Derrick Henry's a beast. You know, if the Bears, as you said, they're not a one-dimensional team, they can throw it as well as run it. So I, I'd pick, you know, maybe 27-13 Titans. Okay. Uh, that okay. being said, I though, I know the Titans are – their defense ranks towards the bottom of the NFL, so – the Bears might be able to gain some confidence, but I don't know. I just think the Bears have so many holes, and two of their linemen got COVID, unfortunately, and they're going to have to fill in their roles um, coming into this week. So we'll see. 
Well, you also have to take those rankings with a grain of salt, right? People who only read stat sheets of rankings of defenses last week would have said, hey, the New Orleans Saints, we can pass on them all day. And then we throw a pick, right? Or, like, we, we have turnovers against their their defense, right? Like, it doesn't say the whole story of football. So I think you take that with a grain of salt, but I would kind of err on your side. But I'm going to take a page out of your book, David, and I'm going to say it's going to be an ugly score. The Titans are going to win. And I'm going to say it's going to be 18-12 Titans. All right, you heard it. 18-12 Titans. Bears are playing the Tennessee Titans next game. Tune in next week to hear our thoughts on the game and get Bears insights.